you know, it's so convenient that the Sunshine Double is called the Sunshine Double. I guess it's cool, but why is it convenient? Well, because there also happens to be two of us, and while you took care of Indian Wells last week, it's now my turn to head down to Miami. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So we are back with another episode of Hold On To Your Racket, and well, this time it's pretty obvious what we're going to be talking about in this episode, especially focusing on, you can even tell by the title, honestly, but um, kind of convenient for us is the fact that we're going to be able to kind of mesh together our Women's History Month spotlight and the hot headlines. It's also very sad that we have to do this. Because, yes, if you haven't heard, Ash Barty retired. When was it? Yesterday? Two days ago? No, no, no. Two days ago? Wednesday, Australia time. Yep. And, well, we've just been in mourning, essentially, since then. I really don't even know how we're going to completely process this, if we do. Yeah, I mean, if you've heard our episodes, we're big party partiers like we love Such her big party partiers uh, her dominance like on court speaking her dominance her playing style her demeanor um her sportsmanship we love all that but off court she's also done so much and she's such an awesome personality to have on tour as well but while it is sad to see her leave um in our discussion we definitely want to do highlight a lot of positives to take away from her video um which is how she announced her retirement because it is a real game changer in how we view sports and how we view athletes as careers how we view passions and and you know careers in general um and i think it 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 was really admirable what she did that's my opinion on it and um both of us i think share that same sentiment and we're excited to kind of unpack that a bit because It's an important discourse, and we've heard from some of, you know, our our peers or our friends or other people who we interact with in the tennis world, kind of more in, like, our, where we play tennis and stuff, some views that we didn't particularly enjoy hearing that felt a bit a tad misogynistic, so we're kind of just ready to tear that down. down. Yeah, we're ready to break that down. So just... First up, some basics, if you didn't already know about Ash. She is 25 years old, which is young, yes, but we'll get into it later, whatever. And uh, her accomplishments include being a three-time singles Grand Slam champion, and that includes her first title at the French Open in 2019, then Wimbledon 2021, and Australian Open of this year, 2022. And honestly, if she kept playing, she probably would have won the rest of the Grand Slams this year. But we're not going to get into that. And she was also the 2019 U.S. Open Women's Doubles 
champion, which is interesting. And she was the first Australian champion at the Australian Open since 1978. So she's also a history maker and record breaker. Yeah, and speaking of records, she was world number one for 121 weeks. Obviously, the COVID rankings did play a bit of a role in this, but nevertheless, she had a pretty big stronghold on that top spot. So this is the seventh all-time in the WTA for weeks at number one. And she was in that spot for 113 weeks consecutively, tied with Chris Everett for fourth all-time. And then overall, she's had 15 singles titles and 12 doubles titles. Um... She also won the bronze medal in mixed doubles at the Olympics. Um, And, you know, this isn't the first time we're seeing her step away from the sport. She stepped away from 2014 to 2016, kind of saying that the transition to the pro tour was a lot and she needed to take a step away. And she went on and played pro cricket for a while and came back better than ever. Um, But certainly this departure is very different. But I think that the best part of the best way to sort of understand this is by looking at what she said herself because um you know aside from her accomplishments there are many other reasons we want to celebrate her and both in the context of women's history month which is what we've been doing um but also you know kind of in terms of just the story of her retirement so on her Instagram, she announced her re- uh, her retirement on Wednesday, and she did a video with former doubles partner and now retired tennis player Casey Delacqua, who she's very good friends with, and there was a lot of good stuff in this video. Yeah, so luckily, since it was a video, we were able to pull exactly what Ash wanted to say right from her, and obviously this is a pivotal point in her life, and obviously tennis fans lives so it's really nice that she did this with someone that she's comfortable with so that she could really speak freely about it not feel judged in the moment and we really appreciated that because we got some nice quotes like I will be retiring from tennis that's the first time I've actually said it out loud it's hard to say but I'm so happy and I'm so ready and I just know that I just know at the moment in my heart for me as a person this is right And then she spoke about how she's been uh, thinking about this for a long time. And after she accomplished her dream of winning Wimbledon, she initially felt like she was ready for retirement. Uh, But she realized that it wasn't totally fulfilled, like what she wanted to do with her career and went after the Australian Open as well. And I feel she also I feel like she also mentioned in the video how she mostly went for the Australian Open for her fans because she knew that she was pretty much done, but she couldn't just leave just like that because she knows that she has this whole party 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 behind her, like us, for example. But um, she said, as a person, this is what I want. I want to chase after some other dreams that I've wanted to do and always had that really healthy balance, but I'm really, really excited. And of course, emphasis on the word balance because she talks about how, yes, like tennis, was a career for her and yes she loved it so so much but there's other things and that loves she loves it still exactly and she wants to do other things with her life and we totally respect that because in the end professional tennis is a career it's something you have to dedicate yourself fully to and unless you're not unless you're not prepared to do that because you have other things that you want to do it's not something you should pursue and we totally respect that because it's not 
if you don't want to put um like all of your energy and mind into it and you could put your amazing mind to other things you should yeah and she gave it her all we're gonna get into that just a bit but she really like put her all in there and she says that like I contributed all that I could to tennis and I feel like now that chapter is closed and I'm ready to move on to something new and I feel like it's so simple but and it's it's so simple like to think of it that way but that's just the beauty of it like like that's such a in my opinion great perspective because she's like I did what I set out to do I accomplished my goals I had a lot of fun it was exhausting I don't have anything else left to give because she gave so much for herself that that's what we should be admiring how much she was able to give and you were talking about how she opened her video and I actually what I loved most about her is that she doesn't care what other people think she's like this is what I'm doing I'm super happy with my decision I know this is right for me it's not the right way it's not the wrong way but it's Ash's way that's what everyone's saying and I think that's like such a great way to put it because she is doing her own thing which is the best thing and I honestly think it's really a good thing to change the dialogue around um athletes careers because i mean she's been highly successful and this was just another example of that and she also did talk about kind of what success means to her and she had some really interesting quotes about this as well yeah she said there was a perspective shift in me in the second phase of my career that my happiness wasn't dependent on the results and success for me is knowing that i've given absolutely everything i can I'm fulfilled, I'm happy, and I know how much work it takes to bring the best out of yourself. So, like we said, she did. She gave her everything to the sport while she wanted to, and now that she doesn't want to anymore, she's prepared to, you know, take on other endeavors, which we'll talk about later, and she's prepared to give those her all as well, and she knows that she can, and she's prepared to do that. But, um... I was going to say something, but now I forgot, so I'm just going to continue. Uh, <laughs> she's, um, oh, I was going to say how the fact that we, like, now we know after this video that she was kind of, she kind of made that decision after Wimbledon, and then it uh-huh. seemed that since then she was kind of unbeatable. I feel like there's something to that. Like, now the pressure completely came off of her, and she was able to p- perform at such a high level. I feel like there's something yeah. to say about that. What I loved about her is, again, is, like, she doesn't care what other people think. Mm-hmm. She's just doing her own thing that she knows is right for her. And she's channeling. It's not like she's, like, going to be like, okay, I'm done with tennis. I'm just, I've made my money. I'm just going to sit on my couch and do whatever I want. No, like, that's such a messed up. I could use other words. But that is such a messed up way to view it. And um, I think that attitude also does have some undertones of misogyny in it as well because you're kind of just being like oh okay she made her money now she can go enjoy life with her husband and her personal family life and do what she wants to do that's like yes that's a huge part of what she wants to do but we're gonna get into this later there's also so much that she's already planning and thinking in her head about like okay I've given my physical and my emotional drive all to tennis I've done that I can't do more it's enough I'm ready to move on. It wouldn't be healthy for me to keep going. It would be healthy for me to move on. But where can I channel this energy elsewhere full-time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. There's plenty of tennis players who do things 
who are still playing but have these uh, off-court commitments as well, and that's great. But it's a whole nother level. You can't just say that, like, oh, players like, um, I don't know, I'm just picking random ones, like Nadal or players like um, Federer or players like Azarenka or whatever, whoever it may be are able to juggle on-court things and off-court things. While Ash can't do that, she needs to separate it. No, the whole point is that she sort of put her all into one thing at once while still doing, you know, a lot of the things in Australia with outreach to indigenous communities and like whatever. But now she's wanting to put all that energy totally off the court because she's had enough of that professional life um, playing tennis. And that's also a totally um, equally as admirable way to channel your energy, redirect it even. Yeah. And you know, she was also totally honest about how she felt about burnout and, you know, not just not really wanting to put her all into tennis anymore. She said, I don't have the physical drive, the emotional want and everything it takes to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore. I just know that I'm spent. I've given absolutely everything I can to this beautiful sport of tennis, and I'm really happy with that. For me, that is my success. So this is basically exactly what we've been saying for the past like five minutes because I mean she just she said it herself she she's given her everything and now she's done that's just how it is and you can't really control that I feel like when players push themselves to a point when they know they don't really want it anymore but they force themselves to go for it that's when you become unhappy you know that's when you can't really play perform to your fullest potential anymore Because if you don't, if not all of you wants it, that's how it works with champions. If not all of you wants it, you're just, you're not going to get it. Yeah, exactly. Like, why not, like, she gave that champion mentality this whole time. If she feels like, you know, she's done her best, she's put her all in and is done, then that's great. And people can criticize her all they want about her not having enough passion, her just not having enough drive her not, you know, wanting to continue. In my opinion, with taking an example like Ash Barty, I think it is just as respectable for someone like Nadal or the Williams sisters or Federer even to be going so long on into their careers and continuing to play. Um, being as, uh, just, it's just as respectful, uh, respectable to do that as it is to take Ash's route and be like, I know that I've done what I had to do and now I'm ready to do different things because I think we kind of over glorify longevity and like oh yeah as longevity as longevity is the only measure of passion or drive in air quotes when you can really have that in other forms too which is what she's doing and this is why I was so excited because about what she said because Anytime, like, for example, I'm not comparing myself to Ash Barty, but I'm just saying anytime that I've been playing tennis and, like, say I have a few weeks where I'm like, I am playing so badly, I hate this sport, I don't want to do this anymore, I just want to take a break. But then sometimes maybe you guilt trip yourself or, like, oh my gosh, you feel bad about playing, like, does that mean you don't like the sport anymore? Does that mean, like, you hate it? Does that mean this has been all fake? No, it just means that, like, you need to understand when sometimes when you can't put all your energy into it or you just need to either take a break or redirect the energy, that's totally fine too. Just kind of the way, same way that I think Naomi Osaka opened up a conversation about mental health. I think she's opening up a conversation about, um, you know, re- redefining the expectations of professional athletes and of 
what it means to be passionate about something because you can either do it for so many years or you can do it for a few years and you know extend that passion elsewhere yeah I think I mean you can it's just the reason people are so confused and just shocked right now is because we've really never seen anything like this like for example we had Delpo like a couple of months ago who retired because of injuries we've had that happen a lot of times but we've never had a player just openly come out and say in a top player like this like top mm-hmm. top of the top and of the while top. she was in her prime exactly too. Like, that's i think the weirdest part yeah where she just kind of said you know I-, I did this it was phenomenal but now i'm done and that's just how it is and we've we've just never seen that before and it really does open up a conversation about what it means to be a professional athlete now in 2022 compared to before yeah and i think holding everyone to the same expectation of like no this is what a professional athlete is supposed to be and you're not doing that who are we to you know who are we to define that right like just because she's not doing what has been the norm um or you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that yeah and i feel like just the stigma around being a professional athlete is that it's a career that comes with so much pain like physical pain emotional pain it doesn't have to be that way and that's what these players are starting to prove because like something we always see like for example just to say like ballerinas what you know about them is yes they're beautiful and graceful but have you seen how messed up like and hurt their feet are for example it's it's horrible but it's still something that we continue to say it's okay because you know it's part of their beauty their pain is part of their beauty but it doesn't have to be that way for any professional yeah and I think you know just as much as Delpo loved the game that he kept going and he kept trying to injuries and whatever i see these two retirements as almost polar opposites in a way because one was quote-unquote forced to retire and one kind of she chose to do it out of her own um you know choosing but i think you can both love something aka tennis you can both love tennis so much that you want to keep trying and battling through those injuries for as long as you can but you can also love tennis so much that you know you gave it your all, and you have to come to terms with the fact that, like, okay, I gave it my all. Okay, I understand now that doing more of this will cause me pain. Now it's time for me to let it go in this capacity. Yeah. I think you can, like, I think those two are, you know, at the same level. Yeah, and she's, the thing is, she's not giving up tennis. She's just giving up professional tennis. She's going to exactly. continue more endeavors, like, that surround tennis. And, I mean, just like us, like, yeah, we play tennis, but we also do like journalism based on tennis we do like there's tennis is such a well-rounded sport there's so much that you can do about it if you love the sport and she wants to for example help kids that want to play tennis she wants to I'm sure she'll continue to work with tennis Australia you know with like youth programs things like that there's just so much left to do and she know she understands that she doesn't want to you know, use all of her life doing this one thing that she knows she's done enough of. Perfectly said. And I mean, I think she put it best. She uh, she said, 
Quote, Ash Barty the person has so many dreams she wants to chase after that I, that don't necessarily involve traveling the world, being away from my family, being away from my home, which is where I've always wanted to be. It's where I've grown up. I'll never, ever stop loving tennis. It'll always be a massive part of my life. But now, I think it's important that I get to enjoy the next phase of my life as Ash Barty the person, not Ash Barty the athlete. And, like, that's just perfect. Like, Ash Barty the athlete is only a... Um, portion of Ashbury the person yeah I feel like she she just says it so simply and it's just so hard I don't know if it's like a being Australian thing but like as Americans it's so (laughs) hard to imagine this mindset right yeah like it's all about working it's all about the career but I mean this is so it's just so interesting to me because I feel like I feel like she's just, like, on another level than humanity, honestly. Like, she's so, like, mature isn't even the word anymore because she's just, like, out of this planet. I don't understand. She breaks it down so simply, and when you hear it, your first reaction is, like, what the heck is this girl talking (laughs) about? And then you're, like... This is so smart. And it's so, so true. Simple. She spilled. I know. This is like this is a I, I this is I think this made me love her even more. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah. First of all, the guts. Or I don't. Yeah. I guess to her, she probably doesn't see it as guts, but like the guts and the sort of resoluteness to just be like, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what's good for me. Take it or leave it. But this is what I'm doing. Like, and then also just for her to put it in these words is awesome. But. Um, I mean, I think we've sort of given our tidbits on, on all of this throughout, but good for her. Mm-hmm. I think this is awesome. Um, as we've been saying, I think a really important change in the mainstream way that we view athletes and careers in general. Um, I definitely think that in my opinion, especially because she was, um, she's a woman, I think this uh announcement gained a lot more sort of skepticism from some parties than maybe it would have if it had been a male tennis player making that same announcement but um either way I think it was really important to open up that way um and it's refreshing just to say that tennis means like professional tennis meant a lot to her but it wasn't everything um and it does put things in perspective and what I loved was Danielle Collins' reaction to this. She also put it in a way that was so simple. Yeah. Where the I, first, yeah. where the first, your first reaction is like, again, what the hell are you talking about? But then you t- let it sink in, and you're like, this makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I loved what she said. She said, to retire at 25, I think it really speaks to the way our sport empowers women. I think it's so cool being able to retire at 25. What other profession would you be able to do that in? There's not too many. I think it's incredible for a sport. So, yeah, she just talks about it like it's a profession, like it's a career, because that's what it is. Like, it's an endeavor that you choose to take on for however many years. And yes, like, people become attached to it and do it for their entire lives. But, I mean, so what? It's fine. Like... And to think, like, if you really think about it, when it comes to tennis, players retiring at, like, 35 is pretty regular as well. Like, for example, Federer is 40 and still playing, and people think it's weird because he's so old. I mean, it is it's, just weird. A, it's just a, 
<laughs> it's just a sport. Like, a sport takes a lot on the body, and retiring early is just not weird. At, like, even 35 versus 25, did you think about it? Like, people that are 25 and 35, like, other than professional athletes, are in the same stages of their lives. They're trying to figure out that, like, people who are, I mean, we're not there yet, but people who are 25 are, like, just got out of college in the past few years they're still figuring out what they want to do with their life and this woman is here like already with such a clear perspective and i think part of danielle's quote that i really liked was the way that she said the way our sport empowers women like things like empowerment or like strength or like drive or passion this stuff doesn't just apply to playing on the court this stuff applies to what you do with your experiences playing with the wta on tour as a pro player and what you're going to do with that I because think, something that yeah. yeah I think what's empowering is the fact that it was a choice for Ash. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like surface level you think this is about like prize money and the WTAs like, you know, all that stuff which sure, yeah, that's awesome. But as you said, it's the fact that she was able to choose to do that because it tennis, I mean, lifted her up so much. Like it gave her so many opportunities. I think something that Josefina and I hear a lot about when we play tennis, kind of in the USTA programs and stuff, like, the main goal of those programs is to use tennis or to have tennis as a way for you to not just become better players but better people, like, whether that be, you know, through sportsmanship or making friends or or just being in that environment with work ethic or things like that, and I think this is just another way of putting that. And, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we this is just... It, it's It's exciting in a weird way because... First of all, I'm really excited to see what she's going to get up to next. But this also, obviously, I mean, she's in the number one spot. We just saw huge success from Iga Swiatek and Maria Sakkari kind of battling to grab that number two spot because Ash was locked in the number one spot. But this is going to shake up the rankings. Yeah, so um, Ash um, officially asked the WTA to remove her from the rankings, which means that as long as Iga wins her first match in Miami, she will be the new number one after the tournament, which is huge, by the way. Like, good for Iga. Um, but obviously it makes sense that Ash asked the WTA to remove her ranking. I just, I hope somebody wrote that letter for her because that must have been painful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Iga and Ash, they are besties, if you didn't know that already. But Ash said about Iga ascending to the number one spot if it is Iga there is no better person she's an incredible person a great tennis player the way that she's brought this fresh fearless energy onto the court has been incredible and she also Ash talked about how she loved um playing with Iga and practicing with her she said she's a brilliant person and was one of the first to message me which is really nice I think she thoroughly deserves it. I hope that she can take it and still be her. Do it her own way and really chase what she's after in her career and her dreams. And I feel like Iga is another player that is, like, on another level of mature. And, like, if you think about it, Ash is only... She's only 25 and she's already wiser than, like, the oldest person in the world. I don't understand. Like, when you think Certainly about it, wiser than the oldest so... person on the ATP. <laughs> but where's the, where's the bar? It's <laughs> on the ground. Um, on the ground where Jensen Brooks threw his racket. 
<laughs> we'll talk about that later if you don't know what we're getting into. Yeah, well, back to the topic at hand. You're right. Iga is another one of those players who is so um, wise beyond her years. I think she gets it from Ash in a way that I th- she really looks up to her. She's talked about that a lot. Um, when she was asked about her reaction to the, her retirement, Iga said, You already know that I like to cry, so I was crying for a long time. When I think of the player that is really complete in terms of physicality, mentality, tennis-wise, I always thought of Ash, and I always looked up to her. I mean, I still do. And we also talked about last episode about how Iga, when she moved on to the semifinals or the final at Indian Wells, she kept referring to Ash and like thinking about like what she would do in tough situations and matches and kind of trying to translate that to her own game. Um, but Iga also said it would be really nice also to be able to compete against her for the next few years and actually try to play better and better to be able to beat her slice. We're going to miss her for sure. Yeah, and... Ego definitely speaks for all of us here, except for the even hoping to beat her. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Ego, she's all of us, all the time. She says, you already know that I like to cry. Yes, that was my favorite part. Yeah. To round it out, I mean, what I loved to see was Ash actually just wrote a column article in Code Sports, which is this Australian sports... uh, news group or news agency and what she wrote was um it's a great article it's kind of like her farewell and sort of her explaining her decision and recapping her last year on tour and stuff um but she said one thing i am looking forward to is mentoring younger australian girls playing tennis particularly those who are aged from 15 to 18 years old i think that is a really important period in any young girl's life and i know firsthand just how tricky those years can be for a female athlete who is either trying to become a professional or has already taken steps in that space. Or even those who are nowhere near becoming <laughs> professional but are just trying to figure out life. Not even <laughs> that, that Yeah, exactly. And also happen to be a little bit too obsessed with tennis. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. Um, she also said having more free time will also open doors in terms of being able to travel to indigenous communities, which is something I really treasure. Yeah, and this honestly, like... If you want to, you know, go full circle, since this will be our last um, Women's Month highlight, I think, then, or actually, maybe we have actually, time for know. one more. Yeah, yeah we, have we probably have time for one more. But yeah. uh, I think two two women ago, we did Yvonne Gulgan. <laughs> two women ago. Yes. <laughs> it's a measurement yes. system now. <laughs> um, we did Yvonne Gulagong, and this, honestly, it brings, like, a kind of whole, you know, nice well-rounded you know little bow tie to it and it's great that she wants to make an impact you know she knows that she has the ability to with the opportunities that the WTA tour and her success on it provided her and she's ready to take that elsewhere and you know to really help other people besides herself and I think that's amazing. So after an absolutely fantastic hot headlines, you know, we really we really did nice with that conversation. It was certainly a difficult conversation. Now we are ready to move into some tennis talk. And we do have the Sunshine Double going on, not kind of right now, 
you know, now we're into the second leg of it, but we have not talked about the Indian Wells finals yet, so we're going to get into that, and they were quite eventful. Yes, for on the women's side, we had Iga Swiatek defeating Maria Sakkari 6-4-6-1 in the battle for the number two ranking, so this was Iga's 11th straight win, um, and she said the world number two ranking, and about that, um, is, quote, pretty surreal for now. I had to look at it, and I have to check the rankings by myself and just see it. Right now, it's too surreal to describe, honestly. But for sure, I want to go higher because I feel like getting number one is closer and closer. Little did she know that she would be getting number one in just a few days. Um, honestly, like, I don't think, Ed, like, she wanted it to be after Ash's retirement either. But let's be real, I think Iga Shuatek would have gotten there um, out of this crop of players soon enough anyways. And she's definitely very well deserving of it. Um, and even Ash said so herself. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention to where you were because I was trying to charge my phone. (laughs) That's okay. Um, we were just about to talk about how this is Iga's second straight WTA 1000 title, and she's also the first Polish woman to take an Indian Wells title. Um, and she had some thoughts about that. Yeah, she said, at the beginning of the tournament, I wouldn't even think about winning. Honestly, of course you have to believe in yourself, but I'm a realistic person. <laughs> and I actually wrote <laughs> this, that this is a very Shravia-type mentality, which, of course, as she should, because you know what happens to me. I set my expectations way too high, and I get so disappointed. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay because I have Shravi here to, like, kind of reel me down. So is this a compliment? You know, it's a compliment. Okay, I'll take it. Thank you. I, I'd love you guys, to be compared to Igor Shriatek. You guys save yourself from a lot of disappointment. <laughs> I, say, I speak from experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, our other final here was Taylor Fritz, who defeated Rafael Nadal. Shrubber still hasn't recovered from that. Um, yeah, we have Taylor Fritz, who defeated Rafael Nadal, 6-3-7-6. This was huge, because it was essentially two men, two men, like, hobbling around the court. <laughs> like, I mean, they were both in such bad shape. That is true. It was still a good match, though, but it, they were definitely, I don't know if they should have been playing. <laughs> they should, imagine they both retired. What would happen then, honestly? That's all. Oh. Hmm. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think, you see, this is, this is the problem, you know, professional tennis is all about enduring the pain. We come back to this again, guys. It's not good. I don't think. Okay, honestly, on a serious note, though, like we're gonna, like about Nadal's injury. Like, obviously, it's impressive that he was able to play through that stress fracture, but and people glorified for yeah, him. Yeah, but I don't think we should it. be glorifying him for doing that. Like that shouldn't be the expectation. Did you see him in the medical timeout? Oh, yeah. That he looked caused like, pain to me. Yeah, and people were trashy on Carlos last year at the U.S. Open when he pulled out and, like, retired because of an injury. Do you want this kid to play through an injury who's 19 years old and then risk getting even more injured? Or do you want him to take care of his body so you could actually see him play more? Like Seriously. Priorities, we need to switch it around. There's definitely some toxic masculinity going on here 
if I say so myself. Oh, oh, for sure. Because if you retire, you're not man enough. Mm -mm. That's just how it works. But it shouldn't be how it works, and that's our point, you know? Breaking down these gender stereotypes. Not even gender stereotypes. Professional tennis stereotypes. So, essentially about um, Taylor, he actually almost retired before the match because he had twisted his ankle during his uh, semifinal versus Rublev, and then actually re-injured it during his warm-up against Rafa, and I think he took I think he took, like, a medical timeout before the match started, something like that, just to, like, wrap it up. And Fritz said, I can't even begin to describe how ridiculous it is that I was able to play how I could play today. I've never experienced worse pain in my life before a match. Like, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good, man. But, alas, uh, Taylor's first ATP Masters 1000 title... Um, it was here. And his previous best result was in... 2020 which was a semi-final which was at Doha and this is only Taylor's second title his first title he got in 2019 which is crazy but I hope he has more in store for the rest of the year I honestly I feel like he would be a big contender at City Open this year right I feel like that's a tournament he would do really well in because it's like one of those small hardcore American swing tournaments you know what I mean I do know but yeah yeah but speaking of American, he was the first American Indian Wells champion since Andre Agassi in 2001, and I believe the youngest Indian Wells champion since Novak Djokovic in 2011. But everyone was honing in on this Andre Agassi fact, but I think it's just because they always bring up any excuse to bring that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that significant, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um. He also said very adorable words at the end of the match. He said, I'm going to have to hold back tears for every single interview I do, every single on-court speech. This is going to be tough because I'm such a happy crier. Um, and let's not even, you know, aside from that, the trophy picks, like, hello. He looked like a Hollywood, like, old Hollywood type uh, movie star on those photos with the trophy. So he had a good day there. Um, and he also cemented his spot at American World, uh, American number one at World number thirteen. But um, Rafa, he was going through it. I mean, obviously his win streak came to an end at twenty. Um, didn't get his record tying thirty seventh Masters title, but he is moving up to the number three spot. But that injury, bit concerning. He's going to be out for four to six weeks saying, I wanted to let you know that I'm back in Spain and I went straight to see my medical team for tests after the final, which I played in discomfort. I have a stress fracture in one of my ribs and I will be out to it for four to six weeks. It's not good news and I didn't expect this. I'm devastated and sad because after such a good search of the season, I have had. Um, this is obviously going to hamper the beginning of his clay court season, but we hope that he's going to be healthy in time for um, Barcelona and Roland Garros. But, I mean... Yeah, I just hope luckily our grandpa heals. Yeah, luckily it's in like stress fractures, they heal pretty quickly and you know, they don't they don't tend to get re-injured, which is great, but uh I mean, it's definitely another thing that we were saying like he went on for so long. Even Taylor said it. He said something like his quote after the match was something like he's been playing for like 20 something matches in a row. Of course that's going to take a toll on the body. Like, yeah, what athletes do is insane. Like, it's otherworldly, honestly. And 
like this just shows what a toll it takes on the body especially on our grandpa you know he has to take care of himself i mean he was out for what like six months last year Ugh, it's it's very very painful for us to see Moving on to Miami, we're going to go a very blitz through, draw, um, jog through, sprint through, um, going quarter by <laughs> yeah. quarter. Uh, let's start on the WTA side with Arena Sabalenka, the number one seeds quarter. This is a very confusing quarter because your top seeds here, which are Sabalenka and Pliskova, have not been doing so hot this year. Sabalenka with obviously some of those serve issues. Pliskova having not played until Indian Wells where she lost in her first match in three sets. So I really have no idea who's coming through here but I really don't think it's going to be Sabalenka. Um, I would have said Simona Halep because she did very well in Indian Wells but she pulled out with an injury. Pliskova I don't really see her as a contender but who I do think could be a contender here is Daria Seville. Um, she's certainly someone to look out for here, along with the likes of Marta Kostiuk, Alexandra Sasnovich, um, who's been doing pretty well this season, and Begu, who's going to play Sabalenka in her first match. But we did have a pretty... Th- one of the weirdest tennis matches I've watched in my life. I was watching this throughout the day, because it went three hours long. But Emma Raducanu lost today in three sets to Katarina Siniakova, and this was a match Emma definitely should have won. She won the first set and was up 3-1 in the second. She was up a break several times in the third set as well. She had several opportunities to really close out this match, but at the end of the day, Siniakova took it, and it was just bizarre. Yeah, well, Emma's out, so, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> and it's really just like an open sh- section, kind of a section for the dark horses here, just maybe for Sabalenka or Pliskova to find their form again, obviously, because they haven't been doing well, but then again, they're also players who can perform at the top level whenever they kind of put their everything into it, so this kind of gives them an opportunity to do that again, but if not, it can really be anyone here, but it's definitely going to be um, tough as they get, actually, this entire half of the, uh, draw is pretty open now that, uh, Annette lost. No, she did not did lose. She, lose? she, she did not took lose? the second set. What was the score? 6-3. Nice. They're playing okay, right never now. mind. Never mind. Look out for Annette, guys, if she gets through this. She, for some reason, got bagel in the first set, but we're not gonna talk about that. Mm-mm. Anyways, the second quarter is our bestie quarter because we have Annette, the third seed, and Ange Jabour, the eighth seed in this quarter. Our top contenders here are um, Annette, who is at the top of her game right now, honestly. And yeah, the Indian Wells early exit was kind of concerning, but she's just getting used to the outdoor season. Like, give her a chance. And I would have said Layla here, but she did lose to um, Mutrova in the, I think... I think it was the second round. Yeah, but because that was a good a match. Muhova played very well, and she's also coming back from injury. So she, I would put her as a potential contender here. Awesome. And in this section, we also have Naomi, who handedly defeated Kerber. 
6-2-6-3 in the second round. And Kerber was actually doing pretty well in Indian Wells, which I think people tend, it kind of goes under the radar. So uh, it's definitely something that should be accounted for. And she might actually get out of this quarter, honestly, if she keeps it up, because she also had a, like a solid uh, win in the first First round, yeah, because she's not seated anymore. Yeah, this is the first time she's played back-to-back matches in a long time, and this match against Kerber was very impressive. Um, we also have Queen Danielle Collins coming back after she um, was a bit ill after the Australian Open. Um, I still think she has some in her. You know, we think she, she can keep going. And always keep an eye out for on. She got through her first match. She was a little bit ill during that match, though. I don't know what was happening with the heat, maybe. Um, but she also, you know, a big threat. Um, no real dark horses here except Kaya Kanepi, who's already into round three. Um, you know, she's always one to watch out for. Um, but again, this isn't a Grand Slam, so maybe she you know, holds back on the upsets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's about that for that quarter. We still have sort of a net hanging in there, but also some exciting players in the mix, particularly Naomi and Muhova, who are going to play against each other next match. Um, but our third quarter is Maria Sakari, the fourth seed, and Paula Bedosa, the fifth seed's quarter, which is a very tasty one. Our top contenders here are Bedosa, Sakari, of course, um, who did great at Indian Wells, but potentially also Elena Rybakina, who also had a decent week at Indian Wells. Um, but other than that, other players we would want to keep an eye on are Vondrosova, who upset Contivate last week, uh, Sloane Stephens, and Madison Keys. But I do think it also boiled down to a Bajosa and Sakari. Yeah. And then for our final WTA quarter, we have... Iga's quarter, and she is the second seed now because she is um, the second best player in the world. And our top contenders here are obviously Iga, and honestly, only Iga. She's definitely the I one agree. to beat here. She is on a whole nother level right now, but I guess Dark Horses, or if you want to say, who can stay winning until they play Iga? <laughs> um, someone to look out for here would be... Uh, Coco, who is the 14th seed, she's kind of in a slump right now, but uh, and she might be kind of busy canoodling with like Joshua Bassett and Madeline Klein. You know, she's part of that Gen Z crowd now, guys. She's above this. You know, she has other stuff going on. But, um, yeah, you never know. She can pick up her level whenever she wants, and she could be very good and tough to play. And also you can add Yelena Stepenko here. Because she's actually had a pretty, like, pretty solid results recently, which is great to see from our um, ex-Grand Slam champion. But uh, it's still, yeah, she's still someone to just, like, keep an eye on, I guess. But it's really just Iga here, and she might be looking for a WTA 1000 number three In a row. Consecutively. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So... That's crazy, but then again, her idol is Rafa, so it's possible. Moving on to the ATP side, our first quarter is Neil Medvedev's quarter, the number one seed, looking to snatch back that world number one ranking. Um, top contenders here, I just see it as Daniil. He's going to play Andy Murray in his next match, um, so that could be exciting. Andy looked great today, um, but... 
we also have defending champion Hubert Hercotch, the eighth seed here as well. He has Karatsev looming in his section. I don't know how far Hubert's going to go and deal with that defending champion um, dynamic, especially because last year's tournament we had Sinner versus Hercotch. That was a very interesting Miami Open. Other players to look out for, though, would be RBA, Bautista Gut, um, Andy, of course, and Jensen Brooksby, who, if you didn't hear, had a bit of a controversy today, um, hitting a ball into the stadium, chucking his racket, and then finally chucking his racket for a second time towards a ball person, almost hitting them. The ball person had to fl- like flinch and had to jump to dodge the racket. Jensen went back. The ball person handed him his racket, Jensen didn't apologize, and didn't ask if he was okay, and just turned around and, like, you know, continued, and obviously issued the standard, whatever, um, apology after the match and after his interviews, and he should have, um, a lot of people said, gotten defaulted, um, but the umpire, Carlos Bernardes, who has to deal with so much of this stuff, (laughs) said that it's not grounds for defaulting him because, the ball person wasn't injured, so... Um, okay, okay, so that means that... Okay, let's say I'm a tennis player, right? Like, a professional tennis player on the ATP tour because this seems to be the only place this happens. Um, and, you know, I hit a double fault, and then I walk back to where my towel is, and there's a ball person, like, around there, so I just flick them. It doesn't hurt them, technically, (laughs) but I just need to get my anger out, you know? (laughs) But that's okay, right? That's okay. <laughs> That'll only get you a point penalty. Oh, dang. I I was going for more. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, if you don't start implementing actual consequences, this behavior is only going to continue to thrive. Um, yeah. Which is disgusting. But it is what Like, it is. what do I have to do to get defaulted if to hit a person I just get a point penalty? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Problematic. Anyways, our second quarter is Steph, who is the third seed, and FAA, the seventh seed. And this is definitely, like, you know, big faves quarter. We have Tay-Tay, we have Carlitos, FAA, Sebi, Demon, and and JJ? Is JJ Wolf? You know, he's kind of creeping up there. We hate to say it, but it's true. And our top contenders here are definitely... Like, Carlos. Look out for Carlos because he played phenomenally in, um, what's it called? Indian Wells. Indian Wells. And he made it to the semifinals without dropping a set until he played Rafa. And, yeah, definitely just look out for him because he's probably someone, like, to look at for getting out of this quarter, honestly. And then we have Taylor who just needs to keep it up and he'll be fine. Hopefully that um ankle situation is all... He said he went and got some MRI scans done right after Indian Wells and everything was okay and the medical team told him that's are good to go. But, uh, yeah, besides Carlos and Taylor, just for honorable mentions, we have Sebastian Corda, who just won 6-1-6-1 versus uh, ADF, Fokina. And he has a quarter that, if he keeps up his level, he actually has a good chance here. Definitely. Yeah, so that would be super exciting. Yeah, he had a great quote from today where he said, I made the quarterfinals last year, and ever since I was a little kid, I came to this tournament. Now to be able to com- 
to be here and compete myself, I think little Sebi would be very happy. Um, so that was cute. We also have uh, Botik Van Dizanschlip here. People on Twitter have been called, who are fans of Botik, like to call themselves the Van Sluts. I personally think that that is one of the most creative fan names I have ever heard of. Um, Josephina's jaw dropped, but not in like a bad way. I think you're like impressed by the genius. I, um, so the third quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart so, name. I mean, it is very good. I'm just he I'm liked just a tweet that said like, it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he's into that, yeah. Um, no, my issue is that, yeah, like, I'm a huge Botich fan for whatever reason, but am I a part of that category? <laughs> so the third quarter, um, we have Veratini, the fourth seed, and Rublev, the fifth seed, in this quarter. And, yeah, this one is definitely stacked. Our top contenders here are definitely Andre Rublev as the main one, kind of looking to back up his amazing Indian Wells run to the semifinals. And we also have Berrettini, Riley Opelka, the 16th seed, and possibly Yannick Sinner because he is the, um, what's it called, defending finalist, finalist which is interesting. But... Um, yeah, um, he hasn't he hasn't done phenomenally recently, right? He's actually done okay. He had to um, pull out of his Indian Wells round of sixteen match because of an injury, but he was doing fine. I mean, on the other hand, like I, I wonder how he's gonna do here. He did pretty well at the Australian Open as well, and was doing okay. Um, Mateo, I'm a little bit hesitant about. He had his career best Indian Wells result last week, but it wasn't anything too great. Um, Riley, he did have a good run. Gave Rafa a tough match, so he's certainly someone to keep an eye on. And then Rublev is, I think, the most informed person here. Made the semis, as you said, and you know he's doing really well since his title victories a few weeks ago. But there are certainly a lot of other people to watch out for in this section, being Nick Kyrgios, who's going to play Rublev next, um, Emil Rusevori, who places Yannick Sinner next, which is, like, really painful for Josefina because she loves them both. We have both of the Serendola brothers getting some of their first Masters 1000 wins, and they're here in this same quarter as well. We have Gael Monfils, who just defeated Daniil Medvedev last week. We have Francis Tiafo. We have Brandon Nakashima, and the two of them are gonna be playing against each other in the second round. So wait, Tiafo and Nakashima? Yeah. So this they just played in the last tournament against. Oh each really? Other. They played against each other in Indian Wells first round. Well, would yeah. you look at that? Well, it's gonna be that again, but this is just a stacked quarter. Yes, it is. And now we have our final quarter where we have Redacted as the second seed, and Casper Rude as the sixth seed. Um, and top contenders here, honestly, I'm looking at Cameron Nori, the 10th seed here. Respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been, uh, killing it lately. And nothing here says he can't do it again, you know. He's been doing well. Besides, you know, that time that Sebastian Corda beat him in the second round of the Australian Open this year. Because, you know, Sebby's just on another level. But whatever. Uh, we also have Grigor Dimitrov, 26 seed here. And he had a really impressive quarterfinal Indian Wells run last week. And I feel like that's something he could kind of bring into this tournament. Um, 
because it was he was playing some solid tennis. And then we have, I guess, if you want to look at other kind of people to look at, we have Diego, the 13th seed, Mackie Mack, you know, Mackenzie McDonald, who is through to the second round. And fine, John Isner, the 20th seed. And just honorable mention, just for who's also here, we have the uh, the Brit, Jack Draper, who made it through the first round. While his, uh, you want to know something, you know, now that I think about it, I know this other British person, and that's Emma Raducanu. And yeah, I don't, something that they have in common that Shravi and I have recently discovered is their, uh, their agent, who's a very interesting fellow. Uh, he actually played college tennis, D1 college tennis, which is very interesting. And, you know, he's another person that kind of found that well-rounded view to tennis. Like, yeah, he finished his, you know, playing time, and then he became a tennis agent. Like, that's insane. That's good for him. You know, he found a career. Smart guy. And then we also have Tanasi Kokinakis through to the second round. But, um, yeah, I'd say here, just look at... um. Cameron Nori, and maybe this will be one of those, like, those quarters where in American tournaments, those random, like, American players just make, like, a deep run. Um, I would kind of sense that here, unless uh, Jack Draper decides to, like, step it up or whatever, but yeah, um, so that's Miami for you. Uh, Sunshine Double Part 2, here we go. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as Miami continues. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.